0: Well, amen. Well, I want to go ahead and invite the panel that's going to be joining me up here on stage. You guys can start making your way up and grab your seat. Well, as Pastor Robbie said, I'm excited to get to kind of lead us in our uh, foster care weekend. And as he said, this is Orphan Awareness Month, and I can't think of a, a really a better way than to kind of kick that off last weekend with his little feet, really giving us a very, uh, shared a lot with us, a lot of different ways that we can be involved with orphan care around the world whether that's through sponsorship or adoption. Uh, We'll be sharing some about foster care tonight but uh, one thing I really want us to think about is there are like as Pastor Robbie said vulnerable children and families. Yes we want to be there to provide homes but uh, at the meal bins some of those things we want to be a part of preventing homes from falling apart also and so we're going to be sharing a lot about that with our foster panel because yes there are children within foster care that are orphans. They're the, the parents have lost their parenting rights, and they are now wards of the state, however you want to say that. And so there are children right now waiting in foster care to be adopted, but in general, those children are not orphans. They are children who, whose families need help. And so we've got some parents up here, some foster parents on stage who are going to be sharing some of their experiences, some ways that God has been working in their lives and in their families, and so I'm really excited. So let me introduce... Uh, our panel here with me. So here, first to my left is Adam. uh, Him and his wife, Kisa, are foster parents. Uh, They've been certified for three years now, but really just over the last month and a half have started fostering. Uh, And they've got three little ones biological in their home. So again, stepping up to that plate with three little ones. So excited to have Adam and to get to hear uh, some of his perspective today. Uh, next to him in the middle is my favorite lady in the room. That is my wife Hannah. Um, she's probably the most green of the foster parents. we have uh, You may not even be aware of this but we've been fostering for the last two weeks now. So we got a placement about two weeks ago and so uh, we're adjusting. Our life is is crazy right now but God has been good in the midst of all of that and she's really leading our uh, foster and orphan ministry here at New Hope. And so uh she she may be a new foster parent, but let me tell you, I, t- I told our uh, Adopted for Life Growth Group last year, she lives in this world, guys. She reads blogs, she listens to podcasts. Sometimes I say, "Ann, I need you to calm down a little bit." She wants to. I mean, I love it. She is an information bank in this area, so super excited for you guys to get to hear uh, from her. And then at the end is Caitlin. She is a foster parent. Her and her husband Dan live up in Scroon Lake. She's a veteran of the bunch. She's been doing it for seven years and here this has had 31 children in her home and have had the opportunity to adopt two of them. And so just a wealth of knowledge, super excited to get to hear from her. We actually heard from Caitlin. She was on a foster panel similar to this with our agency uh, when we were going through the process getting trained. And so as she was talking, we didn't know Caitlin, Uh, Some of y'all did and didn't connect us, so we'll forgive you for that. Uh, But we're hearing her talk and share her passion for these children. And we're here and we're like, we've got to meet this lady. I don't know who she is, but she didn't say it, but it was coming out. Yes, she loves children. She loves her families. But more than anything, you could tell she loved the Lord. And it was infectious. And so super excited to get to be on this panel with Caitlin and for you guys to get to hear from her. Um, but Hannah, let me start with you with our first question. Uh, we talk a lot about orphan care and adoption and foster care. Why don't you, again, I don't want to assume that everybody understands all that foster care is and adoption. Why don't you share a little bit about what foster care is and maybe some of the different ways that it's different from adoption?
1: Yeah. So the the primary ways that foster care is um, different than like a private adoption um, in the states is uh, the goal is is different, and also uh, the people involved are different. And so with adoption, you typically have a biological family that voluntarily surrenders their parental rights and places uh, their child in another family's home of their choice and all of those things, um, and an is involved in kind of facilitating that. In foster care, um, the goal of foster care, we've already said a few times, is reunification. That's really the primary goal, if at all possible. Uh, the goal is to get these kids back in their home, that it would be a safe place for them to be back in their primary caregiver's home, their biological parents. And so um, in foster care, uh, there are opportunities to adopt, and there are children that, Adam said, are waiting to be adopted that maybe their parents have lost their parental rights or have signed those over um, There's, I think the last number I read actually was like 115,000 in the country are waiting. And a lot of them are older youth um, to be adopted and have a a family to live with. Um, Some of them are in group homes. Some of them are still in their foster homes, but are not adopted yet. Um, And so uh, that is an opportunity in adoption or in foster care. But... um, in fostering the primary goal is to get them back with their parents if possible and so uh, the state or agencies are involved they remove kids from homes and then we'll put them in kinship care if possible if there's another family member or relative that the kid would know That would be ideal, but if that's not possible, they'll move them to a foster family's home and um, while the parents have some steps that they need to take in order to make their home safe again um, and procedures and whatnot, and once they meet those goals set up for them, uh, they will transition those kids back safely into their parents' house.
0: Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, Caitlin, why don't you just kind of share how your family again, seven years ago, maybe eight I don't know how long you, got, you started the conversation, but at some point it took steps forward. How did you and Dan get to that point where you said, okay, this is the next step for our family, and what did it look like?
2: So that actually started when I was 10 years old. Um, <laughs> right. I saw kids in my school that were in foster care in um, a halfway home. I grew up in a big city, so um, we had kids in a halfway house, and I just saw that they were treated differently, and everything inside me was like, "That's not okay." So I need to be part of this. I need to be part of the change, um, and I need to make sure that these kids feel safe. And so, at 10 years old, I was like, "I got to do this someday, somehow. I'm going to do this." And um, I wasn't saved. I didn't know the Lord at all. Um, I didn't get to. I didn't come to know the Lord until right before I came up to New York, but. It was cool how the Lord gave me the gift of a husband that had the same passion as I did. I'm a little bit more intense than he is, but um, we actually talked about fostering six months after we got married. And um, so 13 years ago, we started the conversation. Um, and, wow, well, eight years ago, we started the process. So it was cool to be on the same page. And um, he's, an awesome, he's an awesome role model for these kids. So.
0: That's great, Adam. Kind of same question for you guys. You and Kisa, uh, at the time that you started, I believe you had one or maybe two, and then after you had your your daughter, that's really when you stepped into actually having the opportunity to foster. How how did you guys get to that point of saying, "Hey, this is something for our family"? And then saying, you know, when a lot of people might say, "Okay, our this place is full. I don't know if we can do this. We've got three little ones." You still were saying. Hey, we're going to be willing to see how the Lord uses this. How, what did that conversation look like for you guys? Uh,
3: so really, I need to take you back six or so years ago to when my wife and I first started dating. Um, you know, when you're courtship, that's not a word you use anymore, <laughs> but that's where my mind goes. So after Bible study one night, Kisa and I had a very heartfelt conversation. It was one of those, she basically came out and said, hey, I have a deal breaker for you. I was like, okay, if I don't get this right, we're done. Like, <laughs> no, I'm shaking you. Anyway, so she said, what are your thoughts on adoption? I said, so this is cool how the Lord works. Similar story. I said, and I'm not going to get into specific details, but I said, what are your thoughts on adoption from this place?
0: Smart man there. there and <laughs>
3: But I was being dead serious, y'all, because that's something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to adopt. Like, that's a desire the Lord has given me years and years ago. And to have her come out and say, hey, this is a deal breaker for me if you're not on board with it right now. Praise the Lord, I was, because here we are, you know. But um, so it, it really, for us, the same way, it goes back from when, from years ago before we even met each other. So mm-hmm. that's cool to see how the Lord has worked in that. Um, but here's something I've been thinking about, like. Kisa has had a desire for a long time to foster. Not me. Hmm. It's not something I wanted to. Do. I will adopt. I don't want to go through all the work it takes in fostering. I even talked her out of being a foster parent <laughs> when she was a single woman. I said, "Babe, you don't do it." I said that's not. It's not a good idea. But look where the Lord has us right hmm. now, you know. It's so cool. Um, so yeah, we we about three, a little over three years ago, we had those conversations again said, all right, we feel like we want to actually get into this, not we just we want to do it, we actually want to go for it. So we started that process, we went through our certification as well. Um, and we've had to learn to be patient, because it's been a little over three years. How old is, yeah, about three and a half years we've been certified. Um, we had the two boys, like you said, uh, one of them was a baby at the time. Um, but we just had to wait, we're like, Lord, if this is what you want to do. Okay, so no calls, no calls. Like. All right, so how do we do this? We want to be a part. How do we do it? We just kept waiting, kept waiting. Um, we've had one little one come in for a period of about 30 hours, and they went to a family member's home, which is fantastic. Um, but, again, waiting, waiting, waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that process, you know, we've had conversations with our kids because uh, we've got a 5-year-old as well, and 5-year-olds pick up on a lot of stuff. Um, so we've had conversations of bringing our kids into what we're mm-hmm. doing and it's cool to see, man, we've got the sweetest. I'm their dad, but we have the <laughs> sweetest kids. And just to see their heart to, hey, now, hey, daddy, what about so-and-so? What can we do with, you know, or when, before we had her in our home, you know, like, hey, when is this going to happen? Hey, when are we going to meet with those people again? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just really cool to see how our kids are enjoying and being mm-hmm. a part of what we're doing as well. It's not just something that me and my wife are bringing our kids along with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, to to speak to the fact that, hey, if you've got your own kids y'all, we have a small house. We have three of our own. We've already put another one in there. And they said, you guys can actually put a couple. And I'm like, nope, no, easy. Easy with that. Easy with that, okay? But it's, the Lord works. Like, Mm. he worked before we even got married to get us to where we are. So the Lord can make it happen, so.
0: Yeah, I love what he shared there about his children. And guys, I think that will be something. It is definitely, I mean, our first stewardship is of our families, uh, especially as parents. And so there's a, there's a, a heart to want to just protect them so much and put so many boundaries around them to where we feel like we can control it all. But then you see when they get these opportunities how God grows their heart, how God gives them a compassion that you're like, I don't even know where they got there from. Or some of these different things, and God brings them with you in that process. Yes, they may say some things. Where did you learn that word? Or they may... You know, do something that they've never done before. There's some risk to that. But let me let me tell you, the growth that you will see in them, the heart, God will change your children as they grow your family in this way. Um, so that's, that's a great thing that Adam was able to share there. Caitlin, as we shared, you guys have been doing this seven years, 31 kids. Um, so first of all, thank you guys. Thank you for being used by the Lord um, for all those children. Um, but what would you say are some of maybe again, one of the things that we want to do as a church is we want to try to, to serve and maybe fill gaps in some ways. So what are some ways that you've seen maybe some gaps within the foster care system that that the church, that people could be, begin coming alongside foster families and maybe assisting them?
2: I would definitely say one of the biggest things is respite care. Um, respite is short-term, um, usually just a few days. One of the biggest things that prevents people from taking kids is they don't have resources so if they wanted to go on vacation they didn't have someone to ask you know with a foster child you have to have them in a certified foster home and so a lot of times siblings will get split up if you know there's not one home that can take a couple kids and so I would say one of the biggest things would be respite homes that are willing to just do short-term placements that it's not this long indefinite time um I would also, this is kind of a funny way to say this, but another gap to fill would be just changing the conversation about foster kids Mm. and their biological families because, you know, we as a church should be bringing hope and we should be the ones that are, you know, identifying that there is always an opportunity for growth and um, we're all, you know, we all made one decision and that for that moves us forward in our lives to follow the Lord. But if you don't aren't presented with that, you know, so we have a lot of families that, you know, are broken mm. in a lot of terms. But the reality of it is we have the hope that we can help. We can encourage them. We can affirm them in ways that no one else is willing to. We're, mm. we're able to see things potential in them that no one else is willing to speak into them. We get to be mm. their cheerleaders. And so I think... The, the part that church can do is be that for them. Walk beside foster families that are going through it. Be the gap in that way. Encourage the foster family. Encourage the, you know, if you're doing respite, encourage the biological families. They, they need someone to make them realize that um, they have more potential than they have ever been encouraged before.
0: Mm. Guys, aren't you glad that when the Lord looked at us and our brokenness, in our sin, in our mistakes that he didn't, th- he didn't say, that kid, he's not fixable. There's no hope in that person. But no, when God looks at us, he sees the potential. He sees the life that we could have, and he gives us hope. We have a new hope. I mean, our church is New Hope Community Church. If we aren't a people that can't give children and families a glimmer of hope when everyone else is saying it's a lost cause, then, then what are we about, Right? God has given us a hope, a a purpose, and so we have an opportunity to be a part of that, providing that hope to people. Uh, Adam, one thing that you shared with us in a, in a support group that we we kind of started is uh, kind of a conversation around the parents. It's so easy in in foster care to maybe view a parent as a villain, to look at them and say, "Well, they've made a mistake. We're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater," and just say, "Okay." Uh, they don't deserve another chance, but yet a big part of foster care as we've been sharing is walking alongside these families and helping them. How has God kind of worked in your heart? Uh, just in, I'm not here to love a child, but I am here to love a family, parents who are doing all that they can to hopefully get this child back in their family. How has God worked in your heart in that way?
3: Uh, so a couple things real quick. um, so in the, the, the email that gets sent out, maybe a lot of you guys get it. It's the, the worship guide for the weekend. Um, this kind of fits right along with that. And I don't know how many of you pay attention to it. Now, be honest, I don't every week. But praise the Lord, I did tonight. Because <laughs> I was thinking through this. And again, this is so cool. It says, this weekend's message under foster care weekend. First line says, caring for vulnerable children and families is at the heart of God and the heart of new hope. I'm going to get myself in trouble if I cry because I haven't cried in a long time, and my wife will ask me why I did it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> be, <laughs> be all, this is the Lord desires that all would be saved. Mm. That's what He wants. And like you were saying, if we don't give them that message, who is going to? Um, and again, guilty is charged, but I used to be one of those people who would think, boy, there's a reason these kids are in care. Mm. It's not a good way to think. So that's something the Lord had to work on me with. Um, and a cool, st- cool story. Um, so the child that we have with us right now, precious, precious little one, we've had the opportunity to meet the mom. I've, I've only met her once. Keith has met her, met her a couple of times. Um, but the first time I met her, my mind wouldn't even go to the point of thinking, hey, you've messed up. Mm. That's why I'm holding your daughter right now. Mm. My mind didn't even go there. My mind immediately went to, boy, I am so overjoyed that I get to meet you right now, Mm. that I get to love and serve you in this way as we are loving and serving your child. Mm. And separately, both Kisa and I have had the thought and have had conversations about how can we share Jesus with these parents like we want to do that now it might be really hard we don't know yet we're still new into this but that's what we're thinking and that's only because the lord is working in us in that mm-hmm. way as we get to work through this um because again i used to be on the other side of that uh sinfully but now like we want to yes we are tangibly holding on to the children and caring for them but we also get the opportunities a lot of times to to love and serve and care for the parents. And that's ultimately what we should be doing to bring these families back together. So, mm.
0: Yeah, I I was having a conversation um, with some of the people in our foster agency and just talking about, hey, our goal here is yes, we want to love on these children, whatever, however length, long that length is, if it's a couple of days, weeks, whatever. But our goal is to, to help these families come back together and to give them that hope. And so do you, and again, again, adoption is God's heart. He, he wants to see families come together long-term. But let me just say this. Um, for the children whose families are still fighting for them, our goal is not to, to separate that family. Our goal is to bring them together. And so for you to have the opportunity, if you step into this world, the powerful statement of telling a mom or a dad or a mom and a dad, hey, I'm here for you. I'm not here. I'm not against you. I am not trying to keep your children from you. No, I am here to support you however long that is until you guys can come back together. Can you imagine the relief that that probably gives that that family to think, I've got someone in my corner. They may not have many people in their corner, but instead of a family saying, again, how could you do this? No, I am for you, and I'm here to support you in whatever way that I can. And right now, that is by loving on your children and giving them a safe home, loving on them, but I'm here filling that gap until you are getting to that point to where you can do that again, Lord willing. All right. Well, uh, Caitlin and uh, Hannah, I'm coming back to you. I promise. I'm coming back to you. Go ahead. Can I, add, ahead. Some, yeah, can I yeah.
1: add something real quick to what he said? Who am I to say no? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going well, no to say no to my wife here, on stage, you guys. I'm smarter than that. <laughs> um, just to add a little bit to what Adam said, a lot of these homes and um, parents that are separated from their kids in foster care, a lot of the um, reasons they're separated are maybe substance abuse or physical abuse or neglect, different things like that. And so, again, it's easy for us to be, be very judgmental of those things. Well, I would never. I You know, I could never. But a lot of these um, parents come from generational. Uh, they've been in care before somewhere in their life if you, you know, dig deep and see their past, their history, they've been through their own trauma, they've been through their own separation maybe of their parents, maybe they've never had a cheerleader or someone to encourage them in their corner saying, mm. you can do this, you can parent well, you can get better, you know, those types of things. And so, again, the, the role that we can play in just being that to them and saying, hey, we're not against you, we're on your side, we're in your corner, We want to see you guys reunified. Again, relief for those parents to hear that, that you're not trying to keep their kid, take their kid from them. But also, they may have never heard that in their life Mm -hmm. from a parent, from a teacher, from a caregiver. They may have always been told, you're not worthy. You can't do this. And so thinking about that, I think, again, helps us to... Have a little bit more compassion. Sometimes mm-hmm. this is lifelong and generational um, trauma or abuse or different things that happen that follows families for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so,
0: for sure, can I can I add? Hey, yeah, um, please do.
1: Going on what she's saying, that
2: word, the phrase, like hurt people, hurt people. It's that same concept, but so much hurt has been in so many of these pa- people's paths, and um, the the opportunity just to, I was able to talk to BioMom bio mom um, about two years ago and just tell her, this is the first time you've ever had resources in your life to make better choices. So I'm not going to sit here in judgment and tell you I don't like the choices that you're making because you're now just learning. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the coolest part. We, we don't get to view them as somebody that's a villain. We get to view them as somebody that finally has support. They finally have the things that they need to move forward, you know? And that's the coolest part about being a cheerleader in this way is because it's almost like when you have a toddler and they start walking or they start talking. It's, like, so exciting to see the growth in them and, you know, to be able to tell them, keep going. Mm. You're doing great. Like, it's a lot of times the first time they've ever heard that, so. Mm.
0: That's awesome. One thing we often hear in, again, as... Foster parents or advocates is, you know, sometimes you'll hear someone say, well, I can, I can never do that. I can never give a child back. I can never love on a child with the potential that that child could eventually leave my home. Caitlin, I'm sure you've heard that many times throughout uh, your guys' opportunities to, to serve families. What are some ways, some healthy ways that we can respond to that or that you would respond to that to someone who's maybe here thinking, Uh, great for them, but I can never do that. I can never love a child in that way with potentially them leaving. What would be a response to that?
2: Um, I've said that a hundred times myself. Um, (laughs) It's definitely something that, you know, we naturally want to protect ourselves from hurt. Um, But I think it goes so much further than ourselves because as adults, we're able to process our emotions. We're able to find encouragement with, especially within the church, with other believers and things like that. Um, but to think about these kids, and if a foster parent didn't take them in, a lot of them would go to shelters, you know, which in other countries are called orphanages. But we do have shelters here. We, I mean, there's a shelter half hour down the road. And so it's not something outside of the scape of reality for these kids. And think about, you know, there's over half a million kids in foster care in the United States. If we thought about that realistically, and they're all going into shelters, what, what's going to happen to those kids? What, you know, when they turn 18, they have no family. They have no resources. So I guess if someone said that to me right now, I would just try to encourage them that every child is meant to be in a family, whether it's for two days or, you know, for the rest of their lives how valuable it is for a child to be loved on in such a personal and intimate way that they know that they're loved, they're supported, and they're safe. That's one Mm -hmm. of the biggest gaps that these kids don't have. And it's one of the biggest opportunities that we have to be an example of Jesus to these people and to their parents. Because Mm -hmm. in the end, when biological parents see that their kids are being loved and feel safe, they feel safe with that too. Mm -hmm.
0: And like she said, there's definitely opportunity. There's there's potential for hurt, no doubt about that. Again, in your own life, I mean, there is there is a tension when you get in these worlds, whether it's adoption, foster care, orphan care worlds. There's it's it, there's not there's not a lot of polars. Everything is in the messiness, right? Of okay, I'm 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 thankful that I get to love on this child, but I'm heartbroken over a family that is being disrupted. Or an adoption. I'm I'm so grateful that I get to provide a forever home for this family. But what I know that means is a family that just officially had there's no coming back after this. So there is attention to all these things. And so the the natural tendency is to say, I'm gonna protect myself as much as I can from all these hurts and saying, Hey, love is takes vulnerability, right? If you're in a relationship, if you're married, if you've any of these things, if you're in friendships, There is a vulnerability to saying, hey, I'm going to care for you because there's a great potential for great joy, great happiness, but a great potential for for heartache. But that's okay. It's a tension of both of those of saying, I recognize that this is messy, but with the Lord's help, I'm going to take one step at a time to do all that I can for these families and these children. Uh, Well, Hannah, as our orphan care, foster care kind of ministry leader here at our church, um... There's a lot of different ways. Again, we've, we've shared fostering, respite. Um, but what are some other ways that maybe people in our church could get involved in supporting families who are doing it? Because there's no doubt, circumstances in life, situations in life, not everyone here is meant to foster or do respite. But what are some ways that, hey, I'm not counting you out. If you're thinking I can't do that, there's ways that we need you. Here I say we need you. What are some ways that they could be supportive of families who are doing that?
1: Well, I wore my shirt of all the ways that you can get involved (laughs) tonight. Um, But primarily, I think like Adam um, said earlier, everyone, I had heard a quote somewhere before, I don't know where I read it, um, but it was that not everyone is called to necessarily be a foster parent, but everyone is called to foster care. And I would Mm -hmm. add, especially the church. Um, We're all supposed to care about vulnerable children and families, especially in our community, that live right down the road from us. Um, sometimes it's like a big leap to imagine like a child far away in a different country. But we've got kids here that literally don't have homes uh, or don't have parents in their life right now, and so we can step into that in some ways. But there are some families that are like, I literally cannot, you know, maybe be a foster parent, and that's okay. That is not a. I, I want to stress that's yeah. not a step down to support some in some other capacity. Um, foster parent and adoption isn't the end-all be-all there and honestly foster parents and even adoptive parents cannot do what they do without community and support and so many other people would fail at what they're trying to do if we don't have support around us and so it's so so important Um, so primarily I mean you can advocate Um, one of the things that the more you're in proximity of other foster families, of adoptive families, and meeting these kids, meeting parents, um, it's going to soften your heart. And um, being in those spaces is really, I think, a healthy place to be in because, again, you live in that gray area, and your compassion for all these people involved will grow. And so advocating, whether that's just in personal conversations sometimes with friends, talking about it more, making it more of a normal conversation, even in your home, maybe with your kids, um, talking and bringing awareness to it in different ways that you can. Um, and then also volunteering. Um, obviously, we talked about our foster response team is starting up here at the church. Um I'm not going to take credit at all for this ministry because we have seen this in other places and in a lot of ways have taken what we've seen work in other cities and things like that and kind of copy and pasted it and said we could do that you know um, we shared about a ministry um, in New Jersey that does something very similar and in our adopted for life growth group last year and um, multiple ladies after church texted after that group texted me and was like We can do that. I was like, what if we did this? Like years down the road, wouldn't this be awesome? And they texted me after and was like, we can do that now. Why can't we do that now? Hannah, let's go. Let's do this now. And I'm like, okay, you guys are ready. Let's go. So um, we've had a good group of ladies that have been really supportive, about six of us, and have kind of gotten the legs on this thing and hoping in January to kind of formally launch our community and our agencies. Um, They can partner with us and help us in that. But the goal of that ministry is to serve families when they get a new placement so within 24 hours of them getting a call and a new child in their home they can fill out an online form with us on our website and we bring them like practical necessities for their children also a meal so they don't have to cook that night and just a letter of encouragement saying like hey what you do matters we are with you new hope cares about you Um, and if you need anything they're going to have our info now Um, and so that's a huge thing we need delivery people on that team to deliver the supplies. We need people that help with our stock room. We need people to write the notes. We need people to do any on our prayer team. All of those things will be huge. And um, any of those giftings, I mean, would be super beneficial. And then also our church has started, we've done one, but we're looking to do more and more often uh, foster parent night out. And so hopefully quarterly, I think is kind of what we're aiming for. But to host uh, basically a big, like, kids' night here at the church um, four times a year and where foster parents in our community can come. They can drop off their kids for a few hours. We give them dinner. We have games and craft time and fun. And the parents can go out alone with no children. Like, that's huge for foster parents. Um, A lot of them, again, without respite care or support in place, they may not have babysitters that can watch their kids Um, But it's important uh, to them, too, sometimes with kids that have come from trauma and things like that, that we're equipped, that we're trained uh, to handle kids that come into our care and um, love on them really well. And so some of that is us being educated on how to care for these kids really well. And so um, getting education and training in that, we'll be hosting some more of those types of things at our church. So if you ever want to work at one of those or volunteer your time to help with those kids on those um, foster parent nights out, we'll train you up. You'll be ready to go. And really, it's just a night of loving on those kids and giving those parents a break. Hmm. And that's really needed. Um, And so we're hoping to do that more often. But we did one in, I don't know when it was. No, July. Was it July. July. And so we're hoping to do maybe in January, I think, again. Um, so we need help. We need people. Last time we had about 20 kids-ish come. And um, let me tell you something, guys. Foster parents, if you offer free child care and time for them to go by themselves somewhere without their children for a little break, um, they're going to show up. So I expect our next one will be bigger because foster parents all know each other. They all talk. I have learned this within Two weeks is like, oh, everyone knows everybody. Okay. Um, and so we will need more volunteers than we had last time. And so that's a huge way, just a tangible way that New Hope specifically, our church family can get involved in either of those two ministries. Um, but, yeah, that's, I think those are the.
3: Can I give yeah. an example with that? So not directly through New Hope, but what I'm excited about, why we are doing this kind of stuff as a church. Uh, several weeks ago when we got that little one in our home, um, We got her one evening, and the next morning, about 3 o'clock, Kisa decided to up and fly to California to go see her sister. (laughs) So I'm at home with four little kids, and I'm like, boy, if we can survive until Sunday at about 6 p.m., we'll be doing okay. But that next night, some super sweet dear friends of ours brought us a meal. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> it's like, we might not eat supper until like 10 o'clock at night. Everybody's going to be in bed at like midnight. As long as they've got clothes on their backs and everybody's alive, we're doing okay. But seriously, that is so huge. Just a meal, just a, a bag of diapers, an encouraging card. Hey. Somebody shows up at your house, hey, can I go get you something from the store? Just those little things mm. and the one experience of what we've had with that is huge. It's so mm. huge. So that's, it's fantastic that we're putting that together as a church. Yeah,
0: yeah there's, a, there's a level of, of trust building, right? The reason we expect those numbers to grow at our foster parent night thought is you have to build trust with people. And those first hours with children in your home, there's a lot of figuring out, some trust being built. And so if we can take some things, hey, you don't got to go to the store. We've got you. You don't got to make a meal. Hey, we've got you. What an opportunity. You just get to love on these children and and transition. Again, we can't do everything, but we can do some things to help them transition into that time as a family. Well, guys, let's thank our panel for joining us on stage tonight. Yeah, I'm just super excited just to see what God is doing and how we... Guys, we're really trusting the Lord for a lot of things here. We, 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 it's easy to think that there's something special in us, but honestly, if the Lord isn't working in and of us, then, then we're in a lot of trouble. But I, so we've got, I don't know, maybe a, f- a few minutes left, and I, I really wrestled after last week in His Little Feet. There's so many things that I feel like I just want to encourage you guys with, challenge you with, and I wrestled. I, on Wednesday and Thursday, I probably wrote, I don't know, 10... 12 pages of things I want to say. What do I say, Lord? But the thought that keep coming, kept coming to my mind was something that was shared with us last week with His Little Feet. They put up the number in, in one of the videos. You know, there's estimates, 500,000, 400,000, but I think the most recent thing that I've seen is 400,000 kids are in foster care right now, waiting for. Many of them are with family, some of them waiting for families, some of them waiting to be adopted. And the whole time that, I, they, they, that was in the video, I was just kind of sitting here just kind of weeping for a second. It's not because I look at that number and I think that's necessarily so many kids and it is. That's that represents a lot of a lot of children. But the thing that was coming to my mind as I look at that number, it's really the 5 10 15 kids that I know personally that have either been in the system, have been adopted out of that system. And so when I look at a number, I don't really see 400,000 anymore. I see faces. I see a niece who wasn't always my niece. But because my sister and brother-in-law said, yes, we'll love on vulnerable children, I have a new niece. I think of the two little boys that my brother and sister-in-law have recently just started fostering. I see those faces. I see the little face that you will be seeing running around here, Lord willing, over the next little while that God has given us the opportunity as a family to love on for however long. See, I see faces when I see numbers now. I don't just see... Because I can't... What can I do about 400,000, right? Well, that number's too big. I can't grasp it. It's too large. But I can see the faces and the individuals and the opportunities. I may not be able to do something for 400,000, but I can do something for one. I could do something for two. And we've just heard from three foster parents. You know, for some of us, we think those are real-life superheroes, right? They are doing... The daily grind. They are doing it. But if we're being honest, and I'm sure that they would say this, there's nothing super really about us or what we're doing. It's normal people, by the grace of God, who are now seeking to love children with the love that they've experienced from the Lord. But it's its a battle. I'm sure if you ask them, many days they might feel like they're failing. many I mean, i felt that over the last two weeks. I I put my head down at night, or we get the. It's usually we get the kids in bed, and I think, what are we doing? It is a battle. It is spiritual warfare. Even this weekend, of course, Hannah's on stage with me, and we've got three kids with colds, and we're like, what are we gonna do? We somebody's got to watch our kids. We've got to have somebody. But the church, of course, came through for us. But it's spiritual warfare. The enemy doesn't want these things happening. He doesn't want us hearing about how we can be loving on kids and families. It's exhausting. But if we were to bring all of them back up here and ask them, hey, is it worth it? Is it worth it? The heartaches, the tears, the exhaustion, I feel like I could speak for them and say it is 100%. It is worth it. It is worth it to love on children in hard places, to welcome them, to accept them, to love them with, as they've, our panelists shared, maybe with a love that they've never experienced. Hopefully they have, but it's not guaranteed that they have ever experienced the love that you are getting to share with them. I want to share a brief story. There was a pastor in Texas. His name was Pastor uh, Bishop Aaron Black. He is a foster and adoptive father and pastor there. And in 2004, he stepped up to preach a sermon that he had prepared all week. It wasn't on foster care, but as he stood up to give the message, the image of his boys came to his mind. The faces of his son seemed to multiply in his emotions as he recalled the image from the breakfast table earlier that day. Without any explanation, the pastor stood up and challenged his people. He said, brothers and, sister, that, brothers and sisters, there are about 30,000 children in foster care system in Texas and nearly half a million in the U.S., Then he asked one simple question. Who will stand with me to defend, care, and support abused, abandoned, and neglected children in our community? After a brief moment of silence, a lady on the back of the church stood up and simply replied, I will. Then to to his amazement, he watched as family after family stood up to join their voice with hers. And since that Sunday, some 19 years or so ago, I don't know if my math is right on that, not quite 19, but they have had more than enough families to support the foster need in their community. See, they may not have been able to do something about 400,000 or even 30,000, but they said that we can make an impact on our community. New hope? Why not us? Why can't that be our story? Why can't we be the people that these foster agencies that are here in our foyer, that the first place that they think to call is, hey, there's that church. They've got families who are ready to foster. There's that church that's got families who are respite certified. They are ready to come alongside families and give them a day, an afternoon, a week, whatever they need. What if we were that place that could have a lasting impact on Glens Falls and Queensberry, Hudson Falls, the Albany region. Why not us? Why not us? So there's really three ways that we've shared with you tonight that you could get involved in some way. The first of them, of course, is to foster. As we said, not everyone is called to do that, but if I'm being honest with you, it may be even challenging. I think there should be more of us. I think some more of us need to really count that cost and say, yes, Yes, it's worth it. And it's not because you're special, let me tell you. It's not because I'm special, but it's because I have an infinitely special God living within me who is helping me do that. So if you are a child of God, if you have his spirit within you, let me tell you, you've got a head start. You've experienced the love of Christ that you now have to give to someone else because Christ has loved you in that way. And not only that, but there are many of you, you guys have loved my family super well since we've moved here. And I've seen the way that you love on each other. There are many of you in this room that have a unique ability to love others well. You're sacrificial, you're giving, you're selfless, you think of others above yourselves. And I've seen some of you say yes to some hard things, and God has used you in them. And I truly believe that today God is speaking to some of you, saying, hey, he's, he's tapping on your, maybe he's tugging the heartstrings, whatever illustration you want to use. God is calling some of you to step into that role. And I want to encourage you, take a first step tonight. Don't wait for tomorrow. Stop at the table, get some information, have a conversation with one of these foster parents, have a conversation with someone. We just studied 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a chapter on the book of love. In in church family, there are kids who need a family to love on them in that way a patient love, a selfless love, one that is not arrogant or boastful, one that will endure, one that is faithful. We just studied that. I think God is real. This is timely. God is saying, okay, you spent three months talking about love. How can we live that out? I think foster care is one of those ways, is being a foster family. I think another one is respite. We've shared some about that. Maybe your family is unable to do that on a long-term basis, but you could give a week. As I've been talking with some families in our church, I believe many of us could say, I can't give you a year or weeks, but I I could give you an afternoon. I could give you a weekend. And so maybe some of you are being called to step into that short term. It was really cool. I was talking with one of the foster families in our church uh, who's doing it. And it was right as Hannah and I were getting certified. And we're talking and he's asking me some questions about, hey, when are you guys getting certified? Do you think you'll take a placement right away? And we're just talking. But I realized a little bit later, he's asking me some probing questions because he's saying, hey, if possible, would you guys be willing to do respite for us? sometime soon. They've been doing it for a while. And what's great about this church, I want you to catch this vision. Most of the time, respite, it's moving the children in with a family for a short amount of time. Again, it's needed it's necessary, but there's not a lot of relationship there. It's a new place. It's more transition in a life full of transition. But what if you know those families? What if you know those kids because you're helping, helping in kids' church? What if you've seen them running around and you're not a stranger, you're Uncle Adam or you're Aunt Hannah, and now it's no longer a respite weekend, it's I get to go have a weekend at Uncle Adam and Aunt Hannah's, and it is now something they're looking forward to and not something that is a burden. Church, I have a vision for us. I have a goal. I really, it's a God, it could be a BHAG, it's not officially, but for me it is, of What if we were that place where there was no question? If there was a family that needed a break, we've got a family at New Hope that's ready to provide that. We have 400 people in this church, many, you know, a couple hundred families. I think many of us could give a day, a weekend, a week to support these families. Again, why not us? Why not us? And then lastly, there's opportunities for you to support. We've got uh, our tables out there. There's one for the food bins. We've got things that you can buy to supply our, our, our uh, foster support ministry closet. You know, some of you may be thinking, uh, I can't host them in my family, but maybe you can give them, you can babysit. You can, maybe your home maybe isn't adequate, but you can go to their house and help. You may be a, a dad in the room and you may be thinking, okay, you don't want me cooking for you. You probably don't want me watching your kids, but I can mow your grass. I can maybe take care of some of the tasks around your house. Maybe there's something they've been meaning to do for a long time, but they haven't had that opportunity because life is crazy. There is a way for all of us to get involved. If you have a gift, ability, and a passion, God can use you to support these families who are in those weeds every day. And really, as we've talked about this, I just want to end with this. What we want to do is we want to provide for children and families what God has provided for us. God has said to us as spiritual orphans, hey, I'm going to make a way for you to join my family. And he did that. We find in God's word that, that before Christ, we were spiritually orphans. We were on our way to a destination of brokenness, of destruction, and of separation from God forever. But Christ didn't look on us in our vulnerability and say, I'll, I'll let somebody else handle that. No, He says in John 14, 18, I will not not leave you as orphans. He says, I will come to you. I will come to you. So what he got off his throne in heaven, he put on his humanity, he came to earth, he died for you, he died for me so that we can have a relationship with him. So that one day when we die, we don't have to be spiritually orphaned anymore. No, we can be a part of the family of God. And that's that's why we do what we do. Because God has changed us, because God has given us family, we want to be a part of providing that family for those around us. It's easy to love those when when you're loving out of something that you've come out of. So if you've received Christ, you've gone from not having a spiritual home to having a spiritual family of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now God is saying, hey, how can you provide that to someone in our community? Maybe tonight you need to receive that for the first time. So let's let's close with a time of prayer and a time for us to respond. I share this most of the time when I'm speaking, but I believe that God is working in all of our hearts in some way. I really believe that. There's a conversation in our head with the Lord, and He's drawing you to something. It could be fostering respite, going back and grabbing some tags to provide some supplies. But I believe that for many, for some of us in this room, it's that conversation I just had. Some of us are spiritually lost. We're looking for a home. We're looking for a family, and tonight God is saying, "Hey, you have one here. You just have to receive it." So you can do that if you if you want to give your life to the Lord, and move from that place of of not having a spiritual family to having a relationship with God. And being a child of God, you can do that by praying a simple prayer like this. Lord, I realize I need you. Lord, I've messed up. I've not lived a perfect life. I have sinned against you. And tonight I recognize that you sent your son to die for me and to raise from the dead so that I could be a part of your family. And tonight I receive that gift. Lord, I want to join your family Please forgive me of my sins. Lord, help me to walk with you as a child of God. There may be also some of you in this room tonight who need to make a big life decision. It might be, of course, talking if you're married with your spouse, but some of you might need to commit to the Lord, Lord, help me not to forget what you're doing in my heart right now. Let me pray for you as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these people. Lord, I thank you for our church family. I thank you for the guests that are here. Lord, you have brought everyone here specifically for this night. Lord, some of us may have thought we were coming to hear something else, but Lord, in your perfect providence and in your perfect planning, you have brought every single person in this room here to hear and to be challenged about how they could love on children and families in our community And so, Lord, as you are working on hearts, I pray that you will, Lord, soften them to what you are saying to them. Lord, some of these decisions that will be made tonight over the next couple weeks, Lord, they are big decisions. A lot of life change will happen. But, Father, with your help, it is all possible. So, Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in these families, continue to work in our church. Lord, let us be a lighthouse Let us be a beacon. Let us be a place that people know that they can go to and they will be loved, they will be served and they will hear the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that through families saying yes tonight and over the next couple weeks, that Lord, there will be families in our community that will be forever changed because of the love that they will one day receive from these families. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.